Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Is it weird? Yeah. No, what do you mean? it's good. Okay. Can you hear me? I can, yes. You might even get some birds. This is very um, atmospheric. Oh, I can hear them. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. It breeze. It's actually not terrible weather outside, too, which is nice. Mm. As in it's not too humid? It's not too humid. It's not too hot. It just rained. It like feels, I would almost use the word fresh. Wow. That's impressive. For North Central Florida at this time of year, yes. Okay, so first of all, I can't believe this. So my doctor released the, so when you get a scan, there's a radiology report, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's like the detailed dissection of everything that the radiologist sees on the scan and they write it in their language, but it's like, it's got all the dimensions of every tumor and all the anatomical language. And normally right. my doctor posts that. Okay. okay. Then at the bottom of the radiology report, there's something called the impression or the note. And it's just a quick mm -hmm. summary, like the abstract of everything that they wrote. Mm -hmm. And so for some reason he posted the detailed radiology report from the chest scan, but then just the impression or the note from the abdomen scan. Hmm. And so all it said in the impression from the abdomen scan was there's evidence of post-treatment effect on largest liver tumor, but it didn't say bad effect or good effect. Right. And I think you had said this <laughs> to me, and I, I think you had told me this, and it kind of sounded like it was like a medication bad effect. Well, and it's a legitimate question because... Yeah. <laughs> the tumor grew, and that was in a month after I had radiation. Right. So it could be a bad post-treatment effect because it could be the tissues inflamed, or it could be, I don't know, it aggravated, or tumors grow for no reason anytime. Yeah. Anyways, so can you believe that he didn't post, that he didn't, like, give me that information that a tumor actually shrank after fucking, like, three years no. of being... <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> like, you think I, I, would, like, I don't know, like buy me a balloon or something. I know. I actually had to read your text like three times before I replied because I'm like, she, did she just say it shrank? Because when you, when you said effect, I was like, is this a bad thing? And then I was like, what am I, what am I reading? Like, <laughs> that's so great. And that's crazy. That <laughs> wow. Like, Yeah, you definitely deserve a yeah. balloon. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, for okay, for perspective, I forget exactly what the numbers were, but I just did the mental calculation when I was looking at the note. So the large liver tumor shrank 0.8 centimeters. Yeah, that's great. And all my tumors normally grow, like, I'd say between 0.5 and 0.7 centimeters. Yeah. Every so two to three months. Yeah. So for that wow. to happen, the treatment was March 4th. So that's how many months ago? I can't do that math right now. Uh, five, April, four. May, June. It's like three. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just did the math. It's what? April. No, wait. March, April, May. Three and a half months. Yeah. And okay, so they think that's from yeah. the radiation, right? Not the chemo? 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, everything else grew, so it's it's like very specifically this tumor that's. Oh right, because that's what had radiation. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. But still, wow. that's my biggest tumor. So if that shrank a little bit, then that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel? Okay, well, for perspective, um, should I, okay, I'll do a little like recap of what happened on Friday just so that everybody will know. Um, okay. So on Friday morning, oh, there's a bee. Okay, go away, bee. Um, on Friday morning, I woke up and I had chest pain. And normally, like, I've had a little bit of chest pain every once in a while since I've been on Votrian. But it's sort of like a tightness in my chest. And normally, if I do some, like, I sit down, I do some deep yoga breathing, I'm conscious of it, and I rest. Or if I feel like it, sometimes I, I walk around. It'll go away within 10, 15 minutes. But on Friday when I woke up, I got this symptom. And then I noticed after I had my shower that it actually got worse. And I was having this like weird stab pain in the middle of my, like between my lungs, um, every time I breathed in really deeply. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's new, it's weird. Um, but maybe it'll, like I'll try the same strategies and maybe it'll go away. So I went to therapy and I was in my therapy appointment for an hour and it, it didn't go away. And then after I was going to work and I was like, it's still not going away, I think I should probably do something about this. So I called my oncologist and they said, we can't do anything for you at the clinic. We suggest could definitely go to emergency, get looked at. So I took myself to the emergency room on Friday with chest pain. So at the time I was just like in business mode and you know, like this is what I got to do to care of myself. Mm -hmm. But I was very conscious of the whole, cause every time that something like this happened, like I've talked about in the past, like when I got the hand tingling, there's a decision at some point of like, do I take myself to the emergency room? And I don't really want to because it's not enjoyable to take yourself yeah. to the emergency room by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's kind of traumatic. It is traumatic. Yeah. Um, but I knew that that was what I needed to do. So I did. And because you, if you walk into the emergency room and say you have chest pain, they're like, okay. And they immediately start processing you. And I had an EKG within 30 seconds. And they're like, okay, you're not having a heart attack. So that was good. Mm -hmm. um, but then they brought me in and did the normal like triage type stuff, asked me questions, asked me about my symptoms, did a whole bunch of blood work, um, did an x-ray, chest x-ray, uh, started an IV, ordered a CT scan. Because the next thing I learned, because they told me, that they were worried about was that I was having a pulmonary embolism, All right. which is a blood clot in your lung and can kill you pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And I know that from a very specific episode of ER for any people who watch ER out there. <laughs> it was the episode when Lucy got stabbed and she, oh my God, it was really sad. Mm. Anyway. Um, so the fact that I had to sit around like by myself in the emergency room for two hours I don't know if they forgot about me or they just sort of like I fell down the line, but they didn't take me for the CT scan right away. And then I ended up waiting for a while thinking that I might be having a pulmonary embolism. Right. 
and they wouldn't let me eat because I asked. I was really hungry by this point. It was like 2 p.m. and I hadn't eaten anything all day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't, we can't give you anything to eat. You can have water. I was like, they think I might need emergency surgery. Right. Um, and at this point, what, like what was going on in my mind? I felt, I was actually meditating. To be honest, they came into my room and I was sitting like in half lotus on the bed because it was actually the most comfortable position. Yeah. And the nurse said, you look really uncomfortable. Do you want me to lie you back? And he's like, no, actually, I'm really comfortable this way. And he's like, do you want to watch TV? Like, you can watch TV. And I almost felt like they were uncomfortable having me just sitting there looking like very yeah. vigilant in a way. But also, you know. So I finally turned on the TV and I, I just like acted like I was watching TV, but I wasn't really. Um, but I was just very conscious of what I was thinking. And because I thought, Maybe I should call some people and let them know. But I really didn't want to in that moment because I didn't know anything. I know. And I didn't want to be on like responsible for updating more people than I could handle. Right. So I like Sarah knew and because I saw her right before I walked over and then I just talked to you. But I like that was all I could handle. I can't. And that's hard. Like, that's one thing about being there alone that's tricky, I realize. Is I can't, yeah. like, I can't start an email thread from my yard bed because, plus, you know, you're attached to all these monitors. And I had my V in one arm, so I couldn't really bend my elbow. And it's just, like, it's not comfortable to be, like, on your laptop, for example. Totally. And, you know, it's, we talk so much about the parallels with, like, pregnancy and birth and stuff and that's what I felt after I had a baby (laughs) like I updated a few people and like we kind of had a plan and and then and then I stopped because I just like I had a baby in my arms and my dad actually got mad at me because I told him that Asher was born and then didn't update him after that for like 16 hours or something like that and he he was mad (laughs) he was left in the dark and I was like you know what? Like, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to just hold it together in this moment for myself. Yeah, yeah. And plus, so, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And then that, and I had other people. I had my mom and Mike who could text people and do whatever. So like, I can't imagine like really having to do that all by myself. Like that was hard enough. So I'm, I'm sorry. I can, I can appreciate how difficult that is. Yeah. And I know, like, because obviously a lot of the people I love and my family and my friends are going to be listening to this. And it's not that I didn't want everybody to know. And if it had gotten to the point where they came in and told me, okay, you've got to go to surgery, I would have texted you and Sarah and said, okay, please engage, yeah. like, you know, situation yeah. room, whatever they use as the, I can't remember the language for the American government, but, you know, like, deploy the resources and contact everybody who needs to know. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't, like, I didn't think it was my priority in that moment. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, so my point about this is, like, I, it turns out I don't have a pulmonary embolism or else I wouldn't be sitting here in a parking lot right now. Um, they diagnosed me with pericarditis, which is inflammation of the pericardium, the, like, small sac that's around your heart. But 
they didn't see that it was so severe that that I should be admitted to the hospital and there was no like obvious acute treatment that they could do to relieve anything it just seemed like this is some inflammation around your heart and that's probably what's giving you this pain and we can treat it with ibuprofen so they gave me ibuprofen and it felt better and then the same level of pain has continued in the past few days but they said just keep taking ibuprofen and if it helps then that's good and so that's what I've been doing but so that happened on Friday and I was discharged probably around five o'clock so I was there for I think six or seven hours um and then after that I just like went home and ate some watermelon salad that was in my fridge and fell asleep because I was exhausted from being vigilant and then the next day I woke up and I had a hair appointment to get my roots touched up and I just went back to normal life but it was I was really conscious of it it felt really weird and then like on one level to just be doing normal things again after taking yourself to the emergency room for chest pain Mm -hmm. just philosophically felt weird but then I realized I was affected more deeply yesterday on Monday when I went into the lab and I live in a college town so and I work basically in the hospital where I get treatment and where I see all my doctors it's all in the same environment and I was having flashbacks or just feeling very conscious of the fact that I was in the hospital and like I was walking down the same hallway that I walked down to take myself to the emergency room like I just reactivated all this feeling of like being stressed and scared and it was a lot to handle yeah and I ended up having kind of a strong reaction to it and not feeling very uh, pulled together yesterday So, so this morning, where am I at? So I just went to acupuncture for the first time in a couple of weeks. And we did the sort of a detoxification, like clearing treatment that I normally get. Mm-hmm. But it was so intense. Like I felt so um, tired and like sore right afterwards. Normally I feel kind of clear headed, but I just felt like whoa, that really was a lot for my body to just take in 20 minutes. Yeah. And I sat up and I was just like so foggy and dizzy and I couldn't, like I sat down in the waiting room and I was just sitting there for 15 minutes without even moving. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then I, like I moved enough to get my phone open because I was going to call a lift to go home. And that's when I saw in my email, I had this message from my doctor. So I opened it and that was when I found out that my liver tumor shrank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been a little bit. <laughs> and now I'm sitting in a parking lot and it just started raining. I don't know if you can hear the rain. No. <laughs> and that's, but I have an umbrella, so I'm fine. Mm. Um, what yeah, a roller coaster. And this I is mean, normal. You know, know. it's maybe like the edge is normal, but it's pretty normal these days yeah I know I was gonna say like I know it's always a roller coaster but this feels like like a quick a really quick jump in the roller coaster (laughs) yeah Mm. definitely
so yeah, so that's my last um, story of my life since Friday morning. That's great. Yeah. And now I need to um, pack because I'm flying to Australia in like two days. <laughs> oh shit! Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. Another thing. Yeah, that's good news it to feels, leave on. Yeah. I had a serious question in my mind because last night I I woke up with pain. And I felt really nauseous for the first time in a while. Yeah. I just couldn't sleep, and I was sitting there in my living room feeling like I was going to throw up and I was like I don't think I can go to Australia and I don't feel that way anymore right now like less than 12 hours later but I have those moments where I question whether this is a good decision but but I think I would regret more if I don't go okay I just have to pay close attention to myself and I'm not going to go to work today I don't have any energy for other people okay that's good I can't I don't think I can really do anything except for just focus on what do I absolutely need to get done? Like, what do I need to pack into my bag in order to be able to leave on this flight? I just don't have any extra mental space. Did I mention yeah. that my bathroom roof, oh, my bathroom ceiling leaked yesterday morning? Also. No, no. <laughs> that really put me over the edge. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was talking God. to Sarah when I was in New York about this because right now in cognitive aging research there's this big push to focus on the concept of cognitive reserve mm. versus cognitive resilience and how can we mm. promote both those things in healthy aging and also in individuals who are prone to dementia mm. and I've been thinking a lot about what it like what are my own definitions of reserve and resilience because the those concepts come up for me when I think about my own health. Mm -hmm. And I, wow. what can you tell me what your definitions are? Cause I think this is like, I'm curious about that. Cause I mean, resilience comes out in all of the life coachy type stuff. And you know, a lot of people, when I go in to do workshops, they want to talk about resilience and how do we promote resiliency? So I'm curious as to what, yeah. what you're talking about with both of those. Oh things. yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, totally that's a buzz topic in a way um for every uh, yeah health, I, I imagine uh, yeah I guess I was so, I didn't realize that it was down at the animal level so that's good to know well it's funny because when I gave my talk in San Francisco I actually got that question they're like well I guess you can't really think about resilience and reserve in animals and I was like oh absolutely we can and we're very much encouraged to by the National Institutes of Health like <laughs> my grant has resilience in the title because that's it's such a focus of all the research at every step in the like bench to bedside spectrum and every level of systems neuroscience. So anyways, but for me, I feel like reserve is very much a, a finite quantity and it has to do with the physical body. So to talk about it from the cancer perspective, if you have damage to organs or you're like, you have tumors that are impinging on the function of your kidney or your body's not able to perform at a certain level, like whatever is your set point and like the stores that you have available in terms of 
how much energy you have to navigate your day. To me, that's reserve. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Totally. Kind of like what's the sort of like basic level your body can function at? And you might have, if you have an extra day to take it easier, if like you're coming off a weekend and you're able to rest for a longer period of time and you're going into a week, you might be able to store up a bit of reserve. And if you're in a position where you're stressed and you've just gone through a lot like me right now, where I feel like I've been through a real ringer in the past four days, like my reserve is definitely depleted. Right. Because I ran out of reserve when I found out my bathroom ceiling was leaking on me yesterday morning. I just like shut down. Like I couldn't deal with that one last thing. It was very clear to me that that was a point that triggered me. Um, Whereas resilience I see as more of a, uh, abstract strategies. And to me, even for my situation with illness and cancer, it's cognitive. It's what are the ways that I cope? What are the things that I do in order to use my reserve to its maximal potential? So it could be something like going to acupuncture. It could be something like making sure I get my routine blood work, which my specialty pharmacy always texts me and congratulates me on because I'm doing such a great job managing my healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be just like remembering to take my drugs, but it's also things like making sure I eat food at the right times every day or like acknowledging when I feel like I'm about to have diarrhea and making sure I'm near a washroom or like, you know, all of those basics, but then also on some level, whatever it is that I have incorporated into my thought process and with meditation or mindfulness or staying in this feeling that I have a purpose and that I'm continuing to go to work and I'm continuing to do a job search because it's something that I am truly passionate about and that gives me a bigger sense of my place in the world and not just cashing out and focusing only on having cancer and only doing treatment and, and only, not that that's a bad thing or like I might eventually want to do that, but right now for me, part of my resilience is continuing to be in the lab and do experiments and write job applications and work on papers when my energy permits because it makes me, I don't know. Yeah. It just makes me feel like I'm doing something that I want to do and I'm living my life. Right. I feel like those are all strategies to, help maintain resiliency as opposed to being things of resilience itself. Would you agree? See, this is where I just get annoyed with language. (laughs) Okay. You don't want to talk. You don't want to debate this. Do you? We don't need to do the pedantics. I mean, sure. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But then, no, I'm not going to go down this road right now. Okay. Fine. This, this isn't about that. This would really change the title of what I've already put in my Mandyland. Um, I've got it like waiting here to like load this uh, conversation. And if you start talking about all of that stuff, then the title, I just don't know how to title it. <laughs> Were you, you, wait, you made the title about reserve and resilience? No, I made the title, Sarah reacts yeah. to news that her liver tumor shrank. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're not having a, a scientific discussion about right. operational like, definitions of promoting resilience versus like actual resilience. Right. And how this speaks to the concept of resilience and reserve, but no, that's too long of a title. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, okay. good. So this news has provided uh, a source of resiliency. It's, it's built up your reserve though, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mm -hmm. got a little boost from that for sure. Which is great because that's what could potentially help you go to Australia because now you've got a little bit more in your reserve. Yeah. Yeah. And I can use that little bit of energy to get myself home out of this parking lot. Right. And um, take care of myself for the rest of the day. That's good. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> How are you going to manage your energy in uh, Australia? Can I ask you? As as yeah, uh, as your um, I don't know what kind of life coach your uh, angelic really? life coach. <laughs> um, because I can't, I'm not there with you. How are you going to manage your energy? Yeah, it was really helpful. I remember we recorded this that little note in California. You're like my um, self self care rest enforcer. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I did one major thing that I felt a little guilty about because it changed the way my travel happened. And I don't know, it might have made it like a couple of hundred dollars more expensive in the long run. And I'm paying for my trip from my grant because I'm going to a conference. But like disclaimer, NSA, NAH, anybody who's listening to this, it was only by like $200 and I'm performing at a great level in my progress report. And it's I'm not abusing my privilege of having government funding to do science. Trust me. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm going to fly to LA first and then be overnight. Like that's across the country for perspective. I'm flying from Florida to LAX. Yep. Um, and I have to transfer once to do that. So it ends up being like still an eight to 10 hour affair. Oh my God. And I have a hotel by the airport in LA. So I'll yep. get a good sleep in the hotel. And then I have all day to sort of just sleep in and rest and maybe do a little bit of work on my laptop or just like be by myself, mm -hmm. either in the hotel or the airport because my flight doesn't leave till 1030 at night. Okay. Um, and then I fly from LAX to Sydney, which is 15 hours. And then from Sydney to Cairns, Cairns or Cairns is how they pronounce it in Australia, which is another few hours. So, so that's, that's a long stretch. That's going to be hard. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm, I'm gonna wear you. gonna wear compression socks because I was warned about this when I was at the emergency because okay. I am still at risk of blood clots. So compression socks and walking around in the plane a lot are both priorities. Okay. So then I also have my own hotel room okay, in good. Australia. So I can be there and be by myself as much as I need to. I don't have to go to any of the conferences if I don't want to. All I'm doing is giving one symposium talk, so I have to be at my session, but it's not until Wednesday. So I arrive on Sunday, and that gives me like a solid two and a half days to acclimatize and um, be ready for that moment. Okay. That's that great. reminds me. I One thing I really need to do today is call my insurance company and make sure I can access my insurance in Australia if I need to go to the hospital. Okay. Do that. Okay. Uh, another way that I'm preparing. <laughs> Okay, mm -hmm. so then in Australia, then I have my hotel room, and then I'm flying down to go to stay with my friend, 
Katie, who lives near Sydney, uh, on Friday. And I timed my flight in such a way that I don't have to get up really early. Good. Her husband's going to pick me up at the airport and drive me so I don't need to worry about organizing my own transportation. And then I'm just staying at her house and hanging out with her for a week. Oh, nice. And I know she's going to take amazing care of me. Yeah. That's great. And I don't need to worry about anything. I can worry about things if I want to. Like, I can pitch in if I have energy, but I don't need to. Right. And I really feel that because I've known Katie since I was, like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. Can we? Can I say hi to Katie? Because I'm sure she's listening, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Katie says hi. Kathleen, <laughs> I still call her Katie because we know each other since we were kids. I know. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah. So, and then, but the best part is flying home. I really take care of myself here. So I fly from Sydney to Honolulu, which is only 10 hours. And then I'm staying for a night in Honolulu. And so I get a good sleep that night, but also I can go and like have a little meditation on the beach, which would be really amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I fly Honolulu to Seattle, which is only five hours. And then I fly the red eye from Seattle to Atlanta, which is also only five hours, but it's a red eye. So that's going to be hard. And then I fly Atlanta to Gainesville on Saturday morning after all of the, the other thing I did was I got, I know it's really, (laughs) but I got myself the like Delta comfort level slightly more comfortable good amenity seat for the longest legs yeah because it was only like a hundred dollars more expensive yeah for sure yeah so that's yeah that's the main thing I did I feel like that'll be make a big difference yeah that's good yep those I like your plan that's good I know I trust that you know how to conserve your energy uh, while you're at the conference, so that's good. You yeah. put a lot of good things in place. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, boss. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate your consent. Mm. To maximize okay. my resilience, there are strategies yes. for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, good strategies. Okay. Okay. I think that's our natural end. Okay. Well, have a good restful day at home thank you i will talk to you i'm gonna post this right away are you cool with that yeah totally thanks for um being spontaneous and like doing this in the moment because i think that helps me too yeah for sure yeah and then you can share this with people without having to update them exactly (laughs) it's a great way to maximize the energy input to dissemination output. Yep. So just for yeah. reference, it's Tuesday, June 18th at 12.02 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and mm-hmm. I am going to be posting this. So like this is like basically live. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I'm, yeah, that means I've been sitting outside my acupuncture appointment for an hour. Yeah. Okay, you better get home. Perspective. Yeah, I should. <laughs> okay. 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 Okay, I love I'll you. Have- I love you too. (laughs) Bye.